Welcome to Tips and Awesome Stories. Alright, so before we begin, I'm one of your hosts, Kirby. And I'm Liza. And welcome. Yes. For those of you who are listening by audio, we want to try to always introduce ourselves. So if we have some episodes where we forget to do that, we apologize. <laughs> yeah. I still have, I watch a couple podcasts and I still, even though I know their names, I still have trouble identifying, okay, this is the voice to this mm -hmm. name. This is the voice to this name. And I'll, I have to remember because one of the girls is married. So once they mention her husband, I'm like, oh, okay. Now I know who that is. But when I first start listening, I can never identify who's who. Yeah, I feel like when you can't put a face to the name, it's a lot harder to remember yeah. the name of the person, for sure. And the other podcast I listen to, I, I know who's who on it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why I can't do it on the other one. I don't know. It's weird. I don't know. Just the way your brain's working. Oh, yeah. Which I learned while shooting guns. He said, put... Put your hands up like this. So one hand over the other one and you make like a triangle and you're supposed to put it up whatever you're looking at and you close one of your eyes. So when I did it, he was like, you're looking at me with your left eye. I said, that's weird because I shoot with my right hand and, mm -hmm. I, and I look out my right eye. Hmm. So it's like, it's weird. I've learned even at the gym that I can't push the machine up with both my hands, but I can do it separately. Well, doesn't it work where like, if you're right-handed, then your brain is more dominant on the other I, side? I think so. And then yeah, vice versa? I think so. I was thinking that's the way it works. So like this side of my brain pretty much controls this side of my body. So I guess it kind of makes sense why you would use your, like my your left, left eye. eye. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Huh. Interesting. I'll have to look that up. So, what are we talking about today? First off, I need to do a correction corner. Oh, Because yes. in the last episode when I was talking about my friend who passed away, um, I said liver failure. It is not liver. She had um, lung failure. Um, stage three lung rejection is actually what it was called. Um, and I noticed that I said liver. I am dealing with a lot of um, issues with my youngest son's dad and alcohol so i think that would have yeah. probably what was on my brain at the time um because i was afraid that he was in liver failure he is not but um, i think that's where the liver came from but it's lung she passed away um monday was it monday morning because you texted me and asked me if i was okay and i hadn't looked at it it yet. might have been monday no yes I don't remember to be honest with you. I just know that a mutual friend of ours had shared it. And yeah. that was when I decided to reach out to you. Yeah. Yeah, and I hadn't found out until later when you texted me and said, Are you okay? I was oh, like I was no, like, Yeah. I'm so sorry. That's why I was like, Yeah, I'm fine. And then that's whenever I read it and I realized that's why you texted me. So I appreciate that oh, text. I'm so sorry. No, you're good. I was just I didn't know why. I just figured you were texting me to ask me how I was. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was when I read it, I think I was in shock and it wasn't until my fiance walked in the room and looked at me and asked me what was wrong. And I said, she's gone and I lost it. I just started crying. So yeah, and it was, it was rough. Um, her, she's being cremated and um, her funeral or celebration of life is Wednesday. Yeah, I saw that. Um, so I'll be going to that. I wouldn't miss it. I wouldn't miss mm -hmm. it. I miss that whole family. They're such good people. But well, anyways, that I just needed to do that correction corner just to correct myself. Um, I noticed it when I played back and listened to it that I had said the wrong thing. So I thought I'd correct myself on it. And you know, we are human and we make mistakes. So just bear with us because I'm sure there'll be plenty more mistakes in the future. Obviously, the last episode I couldn't pronounce anything. That was a hot fucking <laughs> That's mess. That's okay. Hot mess, guys. Sometimes when I do my notes, I'm in the middle of dealing with my son, my youngest son, who has autism, so he's all over the place. Mm -hmm. And then while I was doing those notes, I was really tired and I was trying to watch our past episode. And it, yeah, yeah. I just... 
wrote the same notes over and over again, apparently. But he, our editor said he didn't really notice it when we talked earlier. He's like, I really didn't notice you repeating yourself until you would like say See, it. I didn't really notice either. But I said it was just the mercury part that I think that I just read over and over again. Uh, I was like, oh, that sounds good. Let's just write that down. <laughs> so, oh all right. So what are we covering today? Today we're going to cover the history of sex toys. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. And if you follow any of the social media, I have saved pictures that I got from some of the articles that I wrote about. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to post them so you can see what different kinds of sex toys looked like. Um, it, yeah. Just once you listen to it and you hear it. So, yeah. All you, uh, you sexy listeners and viewers, you. You're gonna find out what uh what dildo grandma used. So strap on in. I don't need images like that, man. <laughs> they were putting images of my father-in-law in my head the other day, and I was like, oh, oh god, why? I don't need to think about that at all. I mean, I'm glad he still gets it, I guess. Oh, no, I don't think he gets it anymore. It's just no. uh, okay. they were talking about balls hanging down, and and I'm like, we'll have to save that for because I I have a story about balls hanging, but it's not for this episode. <laughs> we'll save that. I think about is my ex Ryan and the fucking balls hanging to the fucking floor. He had some saggy balls. He did have man. some droopy ass balls. He did. I mean, I've got some droopy ass titties, so I'm in no way ball shaming, okay? But I, I, all balls are beautiful. Yeah. That's all. I'm just gonna go with that. They're all beautiful, just not to everyone. Yeah, just not to everyone. But that's okay. <laughs> so, history of the sex toys. Let's dive on. Oh in. yeah. Um, forgive me if there's some things that I don't know how to pronounce. Um, for some reason, my brain just does not connect when it comes to how to actually say words. Well, if you run into an issue, I will I will try to pronounce it with you. So we'll, we'll go on this ride together. Yeah. All right. All right. The history of sex toys. The oldest known dildo dates back to 29,000 BC and was recently found in Germany. Due to its size, a lengthy eight inches, expert be experts believe it was used as a sex toy by ancient humans. However, it could have been used for creating fires of the non-sexual kind. It is a paleolithic stone. Phallus. Phallus? Phallus. Yeah. Phallus. Mm -hmm. Okay. Discovered at Hohe Fields Cave. Sure. Southwestern Germany by the pathologist, archaeologist, I don't even know where I got pathologist because archaeologist isn't even close. I don't know. So <laughs> okay, the the um, archaeologist name Petra Kesselbach. Kessel yeah, we're going with that. It's speculated if it was actually used as a dildo or was more of an Idle sculpture. So really fast, here's an interesting fact that I learned, and I think I told you about this, that when they label something as a phallic item for a type of ritual, yeah. that, how was it worded? Um, the archaeologists will do that because they can't say this was a sex toy. Mm -hmm. So a fertility ritual. If it was used in a fertility ritual, that means okay. it's a sex toy. Hmm. Because they can't write on paper, dildo, butt plug. They Excuse me. <laughs> they have I apologize. To go with, uh, they have to go with um, a use for a fertility ritual. Hmm. Yeah. That is a nifty fact. Mm. I did not know that. I learned something new today. You did. <laughs> the the first documented use of a dildo comes from ancient Greece, where merchants sold something called an olisabos, I think is how Elisabos? he said it. Olisabos. Mm -hmm. Okay. Fashioned from stone, leather, or in some cases, wood. Ooh. Ouch. Talk about a splinter in your ass. <laughs> 
It became a tool brought primarily by single women, or so the culture evidence would have us believe. Now, I know a few men that are curious. Of course, they don't talk about it to a lot of people. But I'm sure people back then were curious too. Oh, ancient Greece. If you remember, like when we were talking about oddities and stuff, mm -hmm. and if you saw when you were like doing your research on this in ancient Greece, they literally like fucked each other. They, they were there. Massive gay, orgies. Like gay sex was very, very common. So, hmm. yeah. Yeah, I like the primarily bought by single men. I know, single that, women. that's amusing to me. Right around what would be today's Valentine's Day, <laughs> the market sales were increased by quite a bit. Maybe that's what I should start doing for Valentine's Day. Just buy a... Buy a dildo? No, buy <laughs> sex toys for my man. There you go. Like, That'd be there you sweet. go. Happy Valentine's Day. This benefits me more than you, but it's okay. A bouquet of dildos. <laughs> All different colors and yeah, sizes. sizes. Materials. I did have somebody on Tinder message me. So when we did the episode on dick pics, um, I was playing with one of the dildos and I'm sitting there and I'm just like doing this with it. And it's on my Tinder account. And somebody messaged me and was like, hey, I really like that dildo in that video. I was like, thanks, it matches my eyes. <laughs> such an asshole. Like my eyes are up here, buddy. I always, that's, I've gotten a few, few of them that mm -hmm. um, have said something about it. Oh, I know this is completely off. Mm, sorry guys. <laughs> this is completely off, off of this, but I want to shout out to uh, Alex. Um, I actually met him on Tinder and we immediately started talking about the podcast. Oh, is he watching? And he, listening? he's listening. He watched or listened to all seven of our episodes while he was out. Um, I'm, I think delivering Hello, stuff. Hello, Alex. Thank you for your support. We ASMR. But <laughs> I think he might have subscribed so he could actually watch the videos. Um, but he participated on our Facebook page and actually talked to me about the Mall of America. He's been oh, there. Cool. Very cool. And I thought that was really cool that somebody actually like, hey, I watched this or I listened to this and I've been there. Or, hey, I really like that episode. You know what I mean? Like, oh, did he just sorry. So, very cool. Very that, cool. Yeah, I just, I know that was really off topic, but I just wanted to do that before I forgot because I thought that was pretty cool. That's okay. We go off topic. Oh, oh yeah. People are used to it. Yeah, so. we, we do. Sorry, I keep touching my head, guys. <laughs> um, so where are we at now in history? Uh, around 500 BC, the now famous Benwall Balls came into existence in Japan. They were known as Re uh, Renno Tama. Tama, probably. Tama. Tama. <laughs> Wait, hang on, she's stuck. <laughs> she's skipping like the, the broken record. Just hit it a couple yeah, of yeah, times. Yeah, just, just kick it real good. It's good. The skipping will stop. Okay. <laughs> All right, in the original form, there was only one ball and it was designed to enhance a guy's pleasure during intercourse. Oh, I did not know that. Hmm. Interesting. The Ben Wall Ball. So if you're not sure what a Ben Wall Ball is, they are actually these heavy balls there. Aren't they metal normally? It depends. You can get a metal, you or can silicone get a like, silicone. But they're, they're about this big, probably about the size of a silver dollar for those of you. Almost like a ping pong ball or a little mm. bit bigger? A bigger than a ping pong ball. Okay. They're a little bit size bigger. Size reference for you guys. But um, they're great to help build the vaginal wall yeah, muscle. Yeah, the actually. Where yeah, you like they're great for Kegels. Titan. Yeah. Maybe I should invest in some of It's great for pelvic floor strengthening. should just invest in it. You, yeah. can never, you can never not have enough strength down there. Exactly, and with a strong enough pelvic wall, it helps with bladder leakage and things like that. Hmm. I did mm -hmm. not know that. That's nifty. Yes. Yeah. I'm learning all kinds of new things yeah. today, guys. So, sorry to interrupt. Oh, right. no, no, no. You're good. 
Eventually they evolved into the familiar toy that we know today, two balls. I never thought about that. I knew that you could use them for, was it cankles? Cankles? Kegels. Kegels. Yeah. Ankles are the things you Kankles. get. Kankles are fat ankles. <laughs> Guys, goodness. As long as 3,000 years ago on the island of Borneo? Yeah. Men of the Daika or Daika tribe would pierce their penises with silver needles and set them with rods of brass, ivory, bamboo, and small bunches of bristles in order to increase the stimulation of their sexual partners. Hmm. 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 Ow. Yeah. Hmm. That takes me back to the gonorrhea episode. <laughs> Whew. According to the text of, you know how to say that one? That's Yayana's. That's Yayana's. What she said. The third century Sankirtskit Kama Kama Sutra. Kama Sutra. Kama Sutra. See, I knew that. If a man is unable to satisfy a Hastini or elephant woman, he should have recourse to various meanings to excite her passion. One of those, one of these meanings was by inserting his penis into a tube and tying it to his waist. The Kama Sutra suggests that the tube be outwardly studded and covered in oil. Oh, okay. So like a penis extension. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. I'm like imagining these things in my head. Sorry, guys, and it just, um, as I'm reading it and I'm just... Uh, during China's Su Dynasty, 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 1200s female homosexuality was common and free from the same taboos of men or male homosexuality. Because of this, double-sided dildos were created, usually carved out of wood or ivory. This one on display at the Chinese Ancient Sex Culture Museum is made of marble. And I will upload that picture. Um, like I said, I did take all the pictures that were with these articles because they were really neat looking. Um, so you'll be able to see what um, the marble one looked like. During a uh, 2010 excavation in Sweden, scientists found an antler bone that had been carved into the shape of a penis. It dates back as far as 4,000 to 6,000 BC and clocks in at a little over four inches in length. See, all you guys that think that you don't have any length in penis, um, let me tell you, some of these dildos are made like that. Mm -hmm. That's the average size, so just feel better about yourself, okay? Uh, during the Mink Dynasty, Burmese balls, also known as the Benoit balls, were a popular Chinese sex toys for both men and women. They were made by filling tiny ball-shaped objects made of either copper or gold with a sperm of a mystical, mythical Burmese bird who was known for its sexual appetite. Initially, men would insert these balls into their penis, but soon enough, women also started in inserting them into their vaginas. I didn't know men used them too. I did not either, so they must have been pretty small. Yeah, for them to have to go in there, mm -hmm. they had to have been. Yeah. In ancient Greece, both women and men had to get creative with their sex toys, and this led to the creation of dildos made of bread called... Elisabacalypse, maybe? I'm not sure on that word. I don't either, that... I don't understand, I don't know about the last part. They are. As author and historian Vicky Leon Leon said, from this moment on, lonely widows in Arcadia, unsatisfied moms in Athens. Yeah, Athens, and part partnerless gals on Lesbos 
had a DIY pal. D decrease, discreet. discreet and dispose. Custom made to fit, even nutrients. I said that right, right? Even nutritious. Nutritious. Should the need arise, makes you consider the baguette. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Ew, mm -hmm. a bread dildo. I'm so. I would imagine that. So uh, the way I'm picturing it is they have taken and it's it's hard and it's been cooked a certain way. It has to be. Cause all I can think about is it like mushing up in your vajayjay, like soaking all your juices it, no, up yeah, it, and turning it into mush in there. And then that's a yeast infection waiting. Oh. See, this is why I don't want food anywhere near my vajayjay. <sighs> okay. Ew. <laughs> okay. Mm. As far back is, as 500 BC, the Aryukana, we're just gonna go with that. People in South America attacked what was called a Geskel, Geskel? Geskel, I guess. For a little bundle of horse hair to a man's penis in order to stimulate the woman's clitoris during sex. Hmm. It is created by taking several bushels of horse hair, which are then folded in half and knotted into a band. Historians believed that these were made by skilled women in the tribe. Hmm. Interesting. That is interesting. A bronze dildo was recently found in the 2,000-year-old tomb of a aristocrat in the Chinese city of Xinhang. Due to bitch. yeah, due to the ring attached to the dildo, it was it is believed that it was worn as a strap-on penis. Hmm. However, it cannot be determined whether it was meant to be worn by a man or a woman. Why not both? There you go, exactly. Can be worn by both. Yeah. The bronze dildo, this jade butt plug, I don't know why that, anyways. This jade butt plug was also found in the tomb of an ancient aristocrat from the Hans dynasty, but this time with a king, no less. While its shape is undeniable, some expert theorize that its purpose was to keep the course, the corpse, chi, from leaking out of their rectum, rather than for sexual pleasure. Oh. This is because jade was believed to wart off spiritual and bodily decay. Hmm. So they used it for people who were dead. Yeah, because to keep stuff from leaking out your butt. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, snifty. <laughs> Fast forward to the year 12,000 and China sex 1200. toys. 1,200. 1,200, let's correct that. <laughs> 1,200, my bad. Um, uh, Chinese sex toys were still popular amongst the nobili nobility. nobility. Nobility, I started to say it right. However, they weren't quite as aesthetic. Ancient men would create cock rings using the circle of skin around a goat's eyelid in order to stimulate mm -hmm. an erection. With the eyelashes still attached and still intact, the goat's, goat's eye was most likely used to pleasure the woman as well. Oh, missed that part. Mm-hmm. I just the little little hairs on their little eyelashes go tickle tickle tickle. <laughs> Ancient Rome writer Pliny the Elder was not your average philosopher. In his Encyclopedia Natural History, he listed a slew of potions to both stimulate and lower a man's um, I don't know, I know. Yeah, libido. Sex drive, yeah. yeah. One such method was to take the right lobe of a um, vulture's lungs and attach it to one's body in the skin of a crane. Uh, sure, okay. He also suggested attaching the testicle of a cock to a man's body with a ram skin. So if you're trying to get rid of your libido, I could see that working. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, organs attached to you aren't exactly gonna be a turn on. 
If they are, you're into some weird stuff. I mean, you do you. I, I'm not going to keep shaming you, but I'm just saying. Just we're saying. all adults here, and I'm just going to highly suggest not doing that. But you do you. Whatever makes you happy. <laughs> French dildo was reportedly found in the seat of a Louis the Fifteenth mm-hmm. armchair, which had been abandoned in the bunks of the Seine River near a convent. It dates back to the 18th century and can even stimulate an ejection. Ejaculation. Ejection. <laughs> I mean, it is ejection. I am on the struggle bus, man. It's okay. You got me. We're, we're here for each other. We got this. Um, the future King Edward. Edward VII. Um, before he claimed the throne in 1901, was well known in Parisian Parisian society for his Playboy antics. So intense. So intense were his sexploits that he had a. I don't know how to say that either. Siege d'amour. Siege d'amour. Or love seat. Or Whoa. I could have just said love seat. He had a sex seat. <laughs> cool. Crafted solely for his threesomes. Very nice. It was built to hold his weight during his affairs while also ensuring that he had to use the least amount of effort possible in order to please his partners. Where the fuck is this love seat? Because I need it. <laughs> the least amount of effort in a threesome. Yeah, but then is it really a good threesome? No. 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 In a scene from an ancient shaga, a sex theme woodblock print popular in the 17th to the 20th century Japan, two women are depicted depicted lubricating a strap-on dildo called Harigatas. Hardy goddess. I would say. Yeah. These strap-ons were hollow so that men could insert themselves in them like a tube in order to make their penises seem larger and harder. <laughs> See, even they had a complex back then. It's yeah. okay, guys. Yeah. According to a largely disproven legend, the famous philosopher Rene Descartes may have been one of the first founders of the modern sex doll. During one of his long and last voyagers in, voyages in 1650, his crew decided to break into his cabin while he was away, only to find a leather and metal female-shaped device that moved like a human. Oh. While it cannot be proven that Discars was using the machine for sex or that this machine existed at all, it was not... It would not be the first recording of a female doll found on a ship. For centuries, semen (laughs) had bundled straw into human forms and dressed it in women's clothing, using it for their own pleasure. These were called Des de Voyage. Des. Desme de Voyage. Desme. We'll go with that. Dr. Frank E. Young created some of the most widely advertised butt plugs, which he patronized, patented in 1892. He advertised them as a rectal dial, dial, dilator, dilators, yeah. Okay, rectal dilators marketed in popular journals as at-home medical devices that supposedly cured constipation and enlarged prostates. I've heard this. The plugs came in sets of four, the longest of which was four inches, and were intended to be inserted annually in order of increasing size. However, they were ultimately banned in 1938 for false advertising. Hey Liz, wanna see my butt plugs? They're medical. <laughs> they help with my constipation. <laughs> Mac or Macarays. Arrays. Arrays. Macaras. Macaras. Mm-hmm. Paul Soken. Later called. How did you say that again? Macaras. Macaras blood. 
circulator was a hand-cranked vibrator that dates back to the 1880s. Although it was no doubt used as a female sex toy, the pulse, pulsecon, pulsecon? Pulsecon yeah. was marketed as a pain reliever. Hmm. Okay. It was on the market until 1920s when it was replaced with a similar and quieter version. Oh, it was too noisy. Vibrator's <laughs> <laughs> a little loud, Doc. It's like you can hear it through three doors down. <laughs> well, we know what Grandma's doing tonight. <laughs> there was a popular hoax disproven in the 2000s called the Borgolide Borgolide project that was nonetheless salsa salacious salacious. It purported that when Hitler sent his Nazi soldiers to Paris during World War II, syphilis was rampant among French sex workers. In order to keep his troops from catching the STD, the dictator ordered for blow-up sex dolls to be manufactured and delivered to the men. However, these sex toys were not overly popularized with the Nazis. They were afraid of the embarrassment of being captured with one. The sex doll factory was ultimately destroyed in the Dresden bombings, or so the legend conveniently states. Known simply as the Hitachi, Hitachi this vibrator first came on the scene in the late 1960s as a general body massager, but soon gained a cult following <laughs> as a sex toy. Okay, listen, I have definitely rubbed my shoulders with my Hitachi a few times. That's not why I got it, but <laughs> it felt pretty fucking good on my shoulders. Let I me tell you. I invest in one of these, oh, I guess. It is worth it. Get the wireless one. The wireless. Okay. Oh, all right. You have life. to send me a link. It even helped spark the modern sexual revolution. Sex educator Betty Dotson popularized the hibachi. I said that right, right? Mm -hmm. Hibachi. Hitachi, with yeah. Hitachi. With her woman-only masturbation workshops in the 1970s. In the mid-20th century, ventriloquist Ted Marchi wanted to create prosthetic penis attachments to act as modern marriage aids. First he carved them out of wood, then made, metal, then made metal molds that he would fill with plastic palmer. They would then be cooked in an oven and marketed toward a female audience, where they exploded in popula popularity thanks to their user-friendly design and the con consequence Consequently. Consequently gave birth to the modern dildo. I totally thought you were going to say he got them for attachments for his dolls. Like that's where I expected that to go because <laughs> to somebody that, you know, they have the puppets and they make them talk yeah. without their mouth moving. Yeah. And all I can picture is him being like, don't worry little buddy, I'm going to get you a dick. wife comes and is like, what are you doing? I'm making doll dicks, babe. <laughs> he deserves to have a penis too. He needs it. Okay, so now we're going to go back in time a little bit and we're going to go through a timeline here. Mm -hmm. And we're going to start in the 1400s. So we turn to Renaissance Italy where Olispos became diletto from the Italian word for delight. The first reference to the modern day dildo originates in Pietro's Artino, Pietro Artino's Dialogues, which is very often considered the first literary pornography and Artino the father of pornography. The dialogues revolve around the life of Nana, who is an older courtesan agonizing over what to do with her daughter. Oh. In 1592, the dildo avalanche is nearly unstoppable. In English, it is first introduced by Thomas Nash in 1592. Um, his dildo, also known as Choice of Valentines. The narrator of the poem is a young man who courts a prostitute on Valentine's Day and finds that he is, well, not up to the task. And after a number of attempts, she gets frustrated and gives up and reaches for her little glass friends. I have a Modern day problems too. deserve modern day solutions. Oh yes. 
1734, the clockwork vibrator was invented in France and was available from medical instrument suppliers in the American colonies by the 1750s. The devices were expensive and thus were purchased mainly by physicians, but there was no obstacle in custom or law to their purchase by any person who could afford them. So it so sex a clockwork vibrator? Yeah, the clockwork vibrator is what it's called and yeah, it was invented in France. Hmm. Well, so sex toys were for the wealthy, apparently. Mm -hmm. It looks like they, between ancient Greece and the French, that's where they mostly originated from, it seems mm -hmm. like. Yeah. We just adapted them later. Yeah, pretty they much. They knew how to party. Sadly, sadly. In 1791, we saw the publication of Justine by the Marquise de Sade, who... Oh, excuse me. I can't read either, apparently. Probably the most infamous writer me. in the history of French literature. He occasionally has been hailed as the freest spirit who has ever existed. Let's see. He also published erotic writings that gave rise to the term sadism, enjoyment of cruelty, which first made it into a dictionary in 1834. His writing not only gave birth to the BDSM movement, but popularized many of the bondage toys, such as whips, handcuffs, and others that are part of that family and used today. What year was that? That was in 1791. Damn. Oh no, I'm sorry, I lied. That was in 1834. Mm, okay, okay. 1791 Damn. was when the publication of Justine came out. In 1844, when Charles Goodyear discovered by accident how to vulcanize rubber, he not only revolutionized the car world, but also the sex toy industry. The process of vulcanization made rubber stronger and more durable, and eventually led it to being used in the production of condoms, dildos, and other sex toys. That's cool. It gives a whole new meaning to burn some rubber. <laughs> In 1869, George Taylor, MD, is credited with being the first American to create a steam and foot slash hand crank device in 1880. Taylor's manipulator simply turned a wheel, which pushed a rod that created movement on a handled or padded surface. The patient would either hold on, the handle and receive the vibrations or oscillations, or sit or stand against the padded surface to receive the movement from the machine. All I can picture is someone like taking their foot and they're just like this. Like, pretty much. I don't think I could focus to get my legs to go like that that long. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad it was the doctor doing it. <laughs> Here, let's we give it you to all professional. We, we got you, the doctor will get you going. <laughs> The doctor will be in to see you. In 1882, Dr. Joseph Mortimer Granville patented the first electromechanical vibrator. There were at least two dozen models available to the medical profession. There were musical vibrators, counterweighted vibrators, vibrator, vibratory forks, undulating wire coils called vibratiles, Vibrators that hung from the ceiling, oh, vibrators attached to tables, floor models on rollers, and portable devices that fit in the palm of the hand. We grew up in the wrong era, apparently. <laughs> they were living their best life back then. Well, I don't know. You haven't seen the saddle, have you? No. Can you find these pictures and send them to me so I can put them on sure. the, the uh, Instagram? Because I'm intrigued to see what this would look like to you. So you thought that there was a lot of variations? Well, in fact, by the turn of the century, there were complete operating theaters devoted to managing the scourge of hysteria. So there were a lot of women that were diagnosed with hysteria because they had hormones, they had hormones, or they or they were headaches or sex craze. Yeah, difficult to deal with. Their husbands couldn't control them, so they would literally go to the doctor and sit on a vibrating chair, and then they would get off and feel better. The, the wrong doctor, apparently. The 1890s saw the advent of the motion picture, and it wasn't long before early filmmakers began producing the very first porno flicks. Some of the early films included shots of women masturbating with various sexual aids of the time, and included strap-on dildos and massagers. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. 
1900 to 1920, by the turn of the century, there were more than 20 vibrator models available, running on electricity, batteries, foot power, or water power. The prices could vary from a mere 15 to 200 for the Cadillac of the vibrators, the Chattanooga. So here's the thing about that. $15 back then was a shit ton of yeah. money. Like, so too, I don't know what the money translation is as far as today goes, but 200 back then, holy shit. That is an a lot expensive of money. vibrator. Yeah. The vibrator was the fifth household appliance to be electrified. A full 10 years before the vacuum cleaner and the iron, most of these devices were advertised in respectable women's magazines of the time, such as Modern Priscilla, Women's Home Companion, McClure's, and Good Housekeeping. Oh. Good Housekeeping used to advertise dildos. Holy shit. We need to tell them to go back to their yeah, roots, man. Yeah, go back to the beginning <laughs> where you started. Uh, 1917 saw the introduction of KY Jelly. At the time, it was designed to aid physicians who were performing pelvic examinations, a function that still sense. serves to this day. Mm -hmm. However, it wasn't until 1980 that you could buy KY Jelly over the counter. Nowadays, there's a veritable smorgasbord of personal lubricants on the market. Yeah, we were, me and the editor were actually discussing lubricants before you got here. How were you? Yeah, because we were talking about like, olive oil based one mm -hmm. and then uh, we were talking about the um, water based one mm -hmm. which is what I have and then like the silicone based ones because yeah. we were talking about how some of them dry up so quickly mm -hmm. and I kind of feel like that's the one the one that I have I feel like it dries up kind of quick well here's one that you can actually use it's natural it's mm -hmm. actually coconut oil mm -hmm. and porn stars are very fond of it from what I understand but coconut oil is great because it's for most people, it doesn't irritate your skin. Mm -hmm. It's completely natural, plus it tastes good, and it's also moisturizing. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, think we, I think we have some coconut oil, too. So, let's see here. In where were we at? We, were, we did our KY jelly. So we are at 1930. As vibrators began to appear in more and more pornographic movies of the time, it became harder and harder, giggity, for <laughs> manufacturers to advertise these devices as though they were simply massagers. And slowly but surely, they began to disappear from the reputable magazines and mail order catalogs of the day. It's kind of sad. It is sad. With the 1930s came the discovery of rubber latex, which is tapped from the heavy, heavy tree. This type of rubber has the advantages of being softer, lighter, and more pliable than vulcanized rubber, and eventually revolutionized condoms and diaphragms. It also led the way for the development of the still popular latex sex toys. Hmm. 1952, the American Medical Association finally declared that hysteria was not really an ailment after all. Hmm, imagine that. It's I almost that like crazy. We just have a lot of hormones running. It's through. almost like if they had actually stopped and asked a woman, "Hey, what's wrong? Are you okay?" Mm -hmm. They might have learned this. In 1971, Betty Dodson began to teach masturbation workshops, focusing on how to use a vibrator. Her weapons of choice back then were two electric vibes, the Prelude and the Panabrator. Nowadays, Betty Dodson's reputation and her love of the magic wand vibe are near legendary in the sex toy world. She knew what she was doing. Let's see. In 1977, sexual therapist Joni Blank opened the first store dedicated to vending vibrators in a woman's center, sex-positive environment, which she called Good Vibrations. It's funny because we have a tattoo shop where we live that's called Good Vibrations. You'll never look at it the same again. <laughs> Next time I go in there, I gotta tell them that. You too. should. In the late 1990s, Alabama follows Georgia's lead and implements a law outlawing sex toys punishable by heavy fines and even jail time. That was on my oddities. I remember. Yeah. Within a few years, the law was overturned despite the state's argument that women do not have a fundamental or constitutional right to items used for sexual pleasure. Oh yeah, fuck us. We don't, we don't deserve that. We're just here to pro procreate babies. Pretty much. We're the ovens. <laughs> 
1998, sex toys became almost acceptable, acceptable, yes, or at least many of them became household names with the introduction of HBO's hit series, Sex in the City. Mm -hmm. As Carrie, Samantha, and Charlotte became the hottest property in town, so did the products they used. The Rabbit Pearl, which by the way, I had a rabbit at one point. I love that thing, it's nice. I think I did too, a long oh, time ago. Oh, it's nice. The Rabbit Pearl, Pyrex glass dildos, and the magic wand vibrator, and the love swing suddenly came into vogue. 2003 in the United States, it took until 2003 with the Lawrence vs. Texas decision for the ban on sex toys to be fully lifted. And in England and most European countries, there was never a full legal ban on the books like there was with other items like condoms or birth control. And that makes no sense to me. Yeah. Why ban condoms on birth control? That's the dumbest thing you could do. Yeah, you want to teach people to practice safe sex, but then you want to take away all the things that they use for safe sex. Exactly. With the technology advance in 2010, mobile phones and apps, sex toys could be controlled remotely. First via Bluetooth, later over the internet. The remote-controlled vibrators became a norm, and with boost and with the boost of the camming industry, the tip-controlled vibrators became popular. Hmm. So today, sex toys are a multi-billion dollar market that is accessible from nearly any place, online or off. And this market is growing from 15 billion in 2015 to an estimated 52 billion in 2026. Wow. Even with a liberal amount of olive oil as lubricant, no joke, the Diletto was not as comfortable as today's models. But as evidenced by today's booming adult toy industry, dildos continue to evolve and grow in popularity. Mm-hmm. That's pretty interesting. That was that was a very I good quite a bit today. Yeah, that, that history of that was pretty interesting. Yeah. And I can't wait for you guys to see the, the pictures because they're they're really cool. But you will definitely have to find some and send them to me oh, so I, I will. can post them. Yeah, I haven't seen these pictures, so I'm excited to mm -hmm. see what they look they're, like. They're they're pretty interesting looking. It's yeah. They're yeah. cool. Yeah, I'm it's just, excited. It's just cool to see the history of it and to see how they evolved. Just like last episode, it's it's crazy to think or see how things evolved throughout the centuries. The fact that they thought butt plugs were a medical device though blows my mind. Like, oh Charlie, you got a bad attitude there. Let's stick something up your butt. <laughs> You'll feel right as rain. Thanks, Doc. I needed that. Yeah, I need Go that. up two sizes in a week. Oh, God. Oh, God. <sighs> I wanted to learn how to do that, though, to train yourself. I think that'd be interesting. So, yeah, you just have to buy um, like the different trainer sizes. kits. Yeah, or start by your own. You can buy them where they come in the different sizes, mm -hmm. or you can just go on your own and do it at your own pace. But, yeah, I think it's interesting. So, why did you smoke this week? Sorry, I had a cramp in my stomach. Um, <laughs> why did I smoke this week? What has went on this week? I really haven't had much of a reason to smoke other than just to smoke. Um, yeah. We got my van fixed, so that was a plus. But uh, my toddler hid my keys, so can't find the keys to it now. It's fixed, just no keys. Um, let's see, what else has went on this week? Um, my friend passed away. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'm dealing with uh, my ex and his alcoholism. So I've mm -hmm. uh, been dealing with that most of the week. And I, I'm just gonna say this, if you have an addiction of any kind, reach out, you know, I'll help you if I can, because watching someone go through withdrawals like that, that was awful. That I was bet. awful to I see bet. that stuff. But why do you smoke? Mental health. That is always my reason is mental health. I'm a train wreck upstairs, so it kind of helps me stay on the tracks and it's not such a bumpy ride that way. I feel that because even with taking ADHD medicine, I feel like I still don't focus very well. So sometimes when I smoke, it helps me focus a lot more. 
It's a plus. Yeah, it chills yeah. me out. I think I'm a much better parent when I'm high because I'm more likely to like giggle and stuff at cartoons. Yeah, you're more likely to get down there and play with the yeah. toys and get into it and have a good time, watch the cartoons, play the video games. Well, I mean, I play the video games regardless, but most people, they wouldn't normally do some of those things with their kids or yeah. even just for themselves. You don't even think about something it. kind of enhancing that that uh, that part of your brain. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I totally get that. All right. Well, this was a good episode as always. I always yeah. say that, but I think every Me too. episode is a good episode. Yeah. Because <laughs> you get to hang out with us. Exactly. <laughs> well, we were making faces. You can't we see. We are, for those of you who can't see. Right now, you can see my double chin, but you guys can't see it. Whisper, whisper. Why are we like this? <laughs> I don't know. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for watching and for listening. And yeah. once again, thank you, Editor Guy, for always doing an amazing job. We appreciate you. And shout out to all the people that are yep. still supporting us, that are binge listening to us, that yes. think we're hilarious. Yes. We appreciate you guys so much. You don't know how much, how happy it makes me to just, like, I see friends and what did you do? giving me a dimple because you're so happy. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but a friend of ours, Bailey, she when she listens to it, she'll screenshot and put it on our Snapchat so other mm -hmm. people can see it. Bailey's a good supporter. She is. Awesome. She is. Anybody that binge watches us or binge listens to us is awesome. Even if yes. you're not on the OnlyFans and you're just listening to us, it, it still means so much to us. Because, you know, some people just don't want to see titties. Right. Titties are all beautiful, just not to everyone. Exactly. You know, so thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being here and supporting us and helping us through our journey. Yes. So with that being said, mm -hmm. thank you guys. And we will catch you all next week. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thank you.